If you have your Bibles, I want you to open with me to the book of Mark, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10. I'll be honest with you, I kind of struggled with this one. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, we, we have seen yet another tragedy this past week, haven't we? And uh, with what happened down in Texas, and I've been thinking about it because I love children, and many of you love children too. I hope all of you do. But in Mark chapter 10, there's a story in the life of Jesus that I want you to see, and I want to read it. And I'm just going to read a short passage of Scripture. So if you're physically able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? I'm in Mark chapter 10, and I want you to go down to verse 13 with me, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Are you there? It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That's a powerful statement. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's a powerful statement. And then look at verse 16. <clears throat> and he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of being like those children in the arms of Jesus. How many of you like a good hug every now and then? I want to talk about being in the arms of Jesus. Would you bow your heads and let me pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we can come into your presence in your house and we can draw into you and lean into you. And Lord, today I pray for all who have been struggling and all who have been wounded. And I just pray that they would find their place in your arms this day as we look into your word together. Bless us now with your presence. Put your thoughts in my mind, your words in my mouth, and minister to all who hear this message. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. God bless you this morning. I love children, and you know, I grew up in church when we didn't have children's church and, and uh, all the kids' programs. The kids got to sit in church with the grown-ups. It's where I learned to behave. <laughs> I can take you to the church where I got saved as a little boy, and I can show you the bush my mother used to take me to out front when I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually preached in that church not it's been a couple of years back um and I remember when I got to the church I got out of the car and I looked at, I looked over at that bush and just kind of grinned it's like nobody knows why I'm smiling at that bush I'm a church bush survivor <laughs> 
I love children. And I, I've loved children since before I had children of my own. I used to work with children. I was, I was a, a youth pastor. I actually worked in a, a mental health clinic for some time as a children's therapist. And I just love children. And over the years, I have often had children in the church who would come up to me after I preached and hand me pictures that they had colored while I was preaching. <laughs> Some of them they drew themselves, you know, and it would, it's, it's kind of cute. And, and my own sons used to do this when they were little. So, Andrew, I'm expecting you to color a picture this morning, you know. But when they were little, they would, they would do this. They'd bring me these pictures. And I just, I'll tell you what I do with those. And some of the other families that have little kids uh, have done this. And over the years, I've taken those home with my sermon notes. And I just stick them in my files with my sermons. And every once in a while, when I'm going back through old sermons, I'll come across those pictures. And it just blesses me all over again. Um, I don't see myself just as a pastor to the adults. I'm a pastor to the children in our church. And I love having children in our church. And one of the things I love about our church is we have people who love children. We have several people in our congregation who work with children, who work in educational settings of some kind, and they love children. I have actually been seeing some of the social media posts lately as school has ended of teachers who are saddened by the emptiness of their classroom at the end of the year and because you know they pray for their students i mean that's just awesome what an incredible calling and ministry uh, to have people like that working with kids and I, I know that working with children and raising children can sometimes be stressful. Y'all can amen that if you know that. It's okay, your kids are gonna forgive you. Amen that. It can be difficult sometimes, challenging. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of parents these days, it seems to me, I don't know, it seems that they, they kind of view children as a burden. I, I understand that. I've had those days as a dad, but uh, I, I see children as a blessing. And, and in the culture of the Bible, God's people didn't see children as a burden, but as a blessing. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures as a dad is one of the Psalms of Ascent. This is, was a, a song they would sing as they ascended up the hill to the temple. And it's in Psalm 127 where it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And then it says like, I love this part, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I just love that analogy as children uh, being the arrows that we are armed with. And to be honest, I've, I've, not only do I love children, but I've reached an age, and I don't know if you have too, I think, I think all of us do at some point, where you kind of sometimes miss being a child. Amen. I mean, you could, you could say things as a child that you can't say as a grown-up. 
And people would just go, bless his heart, he's just a child. He doesn't know any better. My, my grandfather, who lived almost to 102, and they say after you get so old, you're like a child again. And he got that way. He could say things that I can't say and get by with it. People say, oh, bless his heart, he's just old. <laughs> and I, I miss sometimes being a child. I found myself one day a while back, I had had a particularly stressful day. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, if I could just be a child again for a little while, just to catch my breath. Because childhood for me, don't, don't get me wrong, my childhood wasn't perfect like yours wasn't perfect. We had some hard times here and there along the way. I think that helps make us better people if you have a few hard times. But my childhood was pretty stress-free compared to being a grown-up. I mean, I never had to worry about things like nuclear war because we would just get under our desk and cover our head, right? Never had to worry about paying a bill. I didn't even know the value of money. I wish I still didn't. I mean, as, as children, you know, we, we don't, we don't even think much about the future. We just kind of live in the moment, don't we? And when we're children, we live in the here and now. And we don't even start thinking about our future until, oh, maybe our teenage years. And then we start thinking about the near future, like what I'm going to do this weekend with my friends. But then you hit an age where you start thinking about the rest of my future. And once you get there, it's like you never stop thinking about the future. Now I've reached an age where I'm not just thinking about the future, my future, I'm thinking about my son's future and their children. And I've come to a place in life where I'm reminded of a sign that a professor had hanging on his wall that said the future is not what it used to be. <laughs> Amen. As I look at the future and what it might hold for me and my children and their children, <clears throat> it can be pretty easy some days to lose heart and to lose hope for the future because the future just doesn't seem to be what it used to be. And earlier this past week, our nation reeled in agony as we learned of this tragedy that unfolded in Uvalde, Texas when this and I'm going to say this because I'm a pastor and this is where God has put me to preach. When an 18-year-old demonized man, uh, now if you don't believe in demons, that's your theology, but you'll never be able to really understand the evils of this world. A demonized man shot his grandmother and then fatally shot 19 children and two teachers. Wounded 17 others. And you know what amazed me in the hours following that event was how we responded to that. I mean, there was the politicians that began politicizing it. People began pointing fingers of blame in every direction as they criticized a mental health system that failed us or a teacher that propped open a door, or the police officers who feared for their own lives. 
And people are angry and they're rightfully so. And they're left wondering how someone so young could even carry out such a, a horrific, such an evil act as this. And everyone is left with the question of why. Why does this kind of stuff happen? Bear with me. In the United States. And we point fingers in all directions at everyone and everything. And we never, it seems to me that we never get really down to answering the question of evil. I mean, I grew up in schools that I had teachers that would pray with us and read the Bible. I'm talking about public schools. We take all that. We, we, have, we have, as a society, we have created a godless culture for our children, and we wonder why evil prevails. Amen. And so today, I want to talk to you about becoming like children. And I want to talk to you about finding your place in the arms of Jesus. And I want to begin by talking about bringing the children to Jesus. This story is told in three of the gospel accounts. And here in Mark, it begins with the words, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. That means moms and grandmothers and dads were bringing people to Jesus, these children to Jesus. Luke's account tells us that some of these children that they were bringing to Jesus were just little babies. How many of you love babies? I love baby smiles. I love baby yawns. I love baby feet. And you know, it was not unusual for, for Jewish people to bring their children to a rabbi to have him place his hands on them and to speak a blessing over them so they would grow up to be good men and women of God and so they would have God's blessing on their lives. That was normal in the Jewish culture and the Jewish faith. And so it is really incredible to me when the Bible says that the disciples rebuked them for simply bringing their children to the Lord. And yet we live in a culture today that will rebuke you and me for really bringing our children to the Lord. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Do you see that word indignant? Some translations render that a little differently, that he was greatly displeased. But to be indignant about something means that you, you feel or you show an annoyance or anger because of some unfair treatment. So Jesus was not indignant because they were bringing their children to him, but because his disciples rebuked him for doing so. And you know what adds to the poignancy of this story is the fact that in chapter 9, Jesus had just finished using a child as an example of the kind of heart his disciples should have. Just a few verses before, I, when I read the Bible stories, I like to look at the context that they're set in. And 
It turns out that the disciples, listen, y'all, this is so adult-like. The disciples had just been arguing over who was the greatest among them. And so Jesus, in order to teach them that the first will be last and the last will be first in his kingdom, he took a child and held him in his arms to say that you need to be more like this child. And he even told them if anyone causes, listen, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. And it's on the heels of this as people are bringing their babies and little children to Jesus that his disciples are rebuking them for doing so. Wow, they've, they've, those disciples missed something, didn't they? As I read this story and as I read this story this past few days and I prayed about what God would have me preach following this tragedy that was perpetrated upon innocent children in our nation. I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon my heart that we as a nation have actually created a culture that discourages the bringing of our children to Jesus and actually encourages these little children to sin. In fact, as I look at the broader context of Scripture in which this story is told in Mark's Gospel, I started to see six things in the context that are characteristic of our modern day culture that we as a society have created for our children. Don't worry, I don't have a six-part sermon. <laughs> I'm just going to give them to you quickly. But there are six things, and as I show you these six characteristics of our, our culture, I think perhaps you'll begin to understand how a young man who's not much more than a child himself could carry out such an evil thing as what we've seen because he, like so many others, are really a product of the culture we've created in this nation. And if you're trying to understand why these things happen in this world, let me show you these six characteristics that are all too common with our culture today. So in chapter 9, beginning in verse 14, we see the healing of a boy with an evil spirit. Now, now listen to me, you, you, I don't, you'll never be able to understand the evil of this world if you refuse to believe the biblical reality of demon spirits who are after our children. The Bible says this demon robbed him of speech. It would seize him and throw him to the ground. The boy would foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth, and become rigid. And what's worse, his father said that this evil spirit would often try to kill him. Did you hear me? By throwing him into fire or water. That's, that's an act that would be counted as a suicide in our modern culture where children and teenagers are plagued by self-harm and suicidal thoughts. 
And we will never understand the plague of juvenile suicide in this nation until we understand that there are evil spirits who are after our children. That's, that's the first characteristic. The second characteristic. In chapter 9, verse 33, we find this argument I mentioned among the disciples about which of them is the greatest, which is an attitude that is pervasive in this nation as our children are taught and encouraged to selfishly strive to be the greatest. We live in a nation that considers it normal to stab others in the back to climb their way to the top of the ladder. A culture we created. The third characteristic that I see in common, beginning in verse 42, where Jesus warns those who cause one of these little ones to sin that I mentioned a while ago. And, and yet even today, we as a nation have created a culture that actually encourages young people to live their lives in ways that the Bible describes as sinful. We teach immorality as morality and sinful lifestyles as socially accepted norms. And the children are the victim. The fourth thing I notice is in the opening verses of chapter 10 where Jesus is asked about divorce. And he begins to teach them about God's design for the family from the beginning. While the Pharisees are arguing with him about the law of Moses permitting a man to write a certificate of divorce and sending his wife away, Jesus, who is the word of God incarnate, reminds them that this, this is not how it was originally when God created the home and the family in the first place. He reminds them that it was God who established the family of a husband and wife, a man and woman, to be the building block of civilization and society. And now we're teaching children that marriage can be between two men or two women or any combination of men and women. He explains to them the fifth characteristic that in the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. I, I, I read this and I can't help but think of how we as a nation are leading our children away from the things of God concerning marriage and the family. I hear of school teachers and professors and even students, young students being forced to use inappropriate pronouns that are just confusing a generation of children about their own gender. I think I read somewhere, and I don't remember where, that they now say that there are 72 genders available for children to choose from. 72. No. Jesus said God made them male and female. And then the sixth characteristic I see in the context of this story that we have in common in our society is found immediately after this story 
where there's this rich young man who asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when Jesus tells, tells him to go sell all that he has and give to the poor, it says, at this the man's face fell, he went away sad. Listen to this word, sad, because he had great wealth. And we live in a culture that teaches children to value material things. I didn't say that right. As, as, that's how you say it if you're the pastor. Here's how you say it if you're the dad. We have spoiled our children. In some cases, we've taught them to value things even more than people. We teach children that what they're supposed to do is pursue wealth. That's where you get your happiness. And then we wonder why they're plagued with sadness when they get it. We wonder why there's an epidemic of sadness in our culture among our youth. Now, the thing that God so impressed on my heart this week is to tell this nation that it's time that we once again bring our children to Jesus. Because now more than ever, they need his blessing. It's time that we as a nation and as a church bring our children to him in, in, in our prayers. I mean, I mean, we need to realize that the devil is real and demon spirits are really warring for our children in this nation. And it's time that we get on our knees and call out the names of our sons and daughters in prayer. We, we need to call the names of our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews in prayer. Maybe we need to get in the habit again of pleading the blood of Jesus over the children of this nation. I mean, we need to pray a hedge of protection around them once, once again so the enemy can't have them. It's time that we, we bring them to Jesus and tell them the ways of the Lord. It's up to us to tell them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image as little boys and as little girls. God made them male and female and, and tell them not to believe the lies of this world about their gender. Let's tell, them, let's tell them again the ways of God and how God designed the family to be. We need to bring them to Jesus and tell them about Christ who loves them. We need to bring them to Jesus in our devotions. If you have small children at home, lead them in a devotion in the word of God. If you have grown children at home, let them see you reading your Bible. You know what God told his people? He said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. He said, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth.
I grew up in a day when we had prayer and Bible reading in the public school classroom. We were taught to pledge our allegiance to this nation and to fear God and love people. But we've taken prayer and Bible reading out of our schools and when people try to bring the children to Jesus like those disciples, the world will rebuke you for bringing them to Jesus. But I sure am thankful for a mom and dad who led my brother and me in prayer. I'm thankful for school teachers that taught us what God's word says about creation and the creator. I still remember Miss Marcel Boyd, my fifth grade teacher, reading from our science book and then she folded it up and put it down and reached over off the shelf and took a Bible and said, now let me read to you what God's word says. I'm thankful I had a mom and dad who prayed for me and my brother even when we didn't know it that God would save us and keep us and lead us and guide us. And I'm still going to be that dad who will pray for my sons even now that they're grown. I pray every day for my sons. I pray, God, that you will watch over them and protect them and guide them and keep them in your perfect will and guard their hearts and minds and teach them your ways and make yourself known to my sons so they will know that it is only in the arms of Jesus that they will ever find their true blessing in this world. And when this world tries to silence us and keep us from bringing our children to Jesus, when the world rebukes us for our faith, I pray may we become indignant in the faith, face of such wickedness. May we as a church become even more determined especially in the times of these tragedies, to bring our children to the only one who can truly bless them. Secondly, I want to talk about entering the kingdom of God because Jesus talks about this. So, so when Jesus saw his disciples rebuking them for bringing the children to him, he was indignant. Some translate this, some translations say he was greatly displeased. But in my opinion, that's not a strong enough word to convey the meaning of the Greek word, in, in, in my opinion. He told them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And, you know, we as a society have created a culture that hinders our children from coming to Jesus. And we would do, we would be wise to heed the words of Jesus. Let them come. Do not hinder them. And here's why. Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You, you'll never understand the evil things that happen like what happened the other day in Texas until you realize, listen to me, that there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. There is the kingdom of this world and there is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And everybody in this world belongs to one or the other of these two kingdoms. It is the kingdom of this world that will tell you the marriage and family can be something other than what God created it to be. 
It's the kingdom of this world that will tell you that there are more than the two genders that God created and that you can be any or all of them as you want. It is the kingdom of darkness that brings confusion to our children about what and who they are. But it is the kingdom of God that will tell you whose you are and what he made you to be. And you will never understand the evil things that happen in this world. And not just in Texas, but all across this nation, in schools and in churches and in our streets, until you realize there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light, a kingdom of this world, and there is a kingdom of heaven. And you and I belong to one of these two kingdoms. So these two kingdoms are not some far off, futuristic, distant kingdoms. Not even the kingdom of God. Now listen to me. In Matthew 10, verse 7, Jesus sent out his disciples and he told them to preach this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he instructed them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. In Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is. Listen, because the kingdom of God is within you. So let me just say, if you're waiting to leave earth to find the kingdom of heaven, you'll miss heaven. If you're waiting till eternity to find the kingdom of God, you will miss the kingdom of God. You are either in it right now or you are not. You are right now in one kingdom or the other. You are saved or you are lost. And he sent us into the kingdom of darkness to preach the kingdom of light. And I've come to proclaim that even in this dark and dreadful world full of wickedness, the kingdom of God has come and it belongs to people like these children. That's what Jesus said. And you know what he says next is just incredible. And I bet it may have left some of the adults in the crowd scratching their heads. You see, when, when Tommy and I, my brother and I were, were just little boys, and when we were going someplace public, like church, mom and dad would give us instructions on how we were to behave. And they would say something like, boys, I want you to behave like little gentlemen. Isn't that what they would say? I want you to behave like little adults. And while most of us tend to tell children to behave like adults, Jesus tells his disciples they need to behave more like children. Think about children as, now he's not talking about the spoiled kids, but he's talking about the, the, the heart of a child, the humility and the receptiveness to truth. Children have just this simple faith to believe. It's the adults that have a hard time believing a, a big fish swallowed Jonah. It's grown-ups that have a hard time believing that 
An old man named Daniel spent the night in the lion's den and lived through it. But children have a simple faith and, and they depend on others to take care of them. And what Jesus says in verse 15 of Mark chapter 10 is one of the most important scriptures you will ever read or hear. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child, like a little child, will never enter it. If, if ever there was an analogy that needs no explanation, it's this one. You, you do not need me to theologically exegete this scripture. If you and I ever enter the kingdom of God, the only way we can do that is to become like little children and receive his kingdom like a child. And the last thing I want to talk about as I close is finding your place in his arms. This story ends with a beautiful picture of Jesus as he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And I don't know, I, I, but I just, I, I think Jesus might have been a hugger. You, you ever had a friend that's a hugger? Even if you're not, oh, they're going to hug you. But you know, when you feel beat up by the world and battle-worn and wounded, or when you feel down or brokenhearted, doesn't it feel good to be held in the arms of someone who truly loves you? And that blessing, when it says he blessed them, that was actually a big deal in Jewish culture. Very often, Jewish fathers would put their hands on their children or grandchildren and literally speak a blessing over them that was actually a prophecy over their life for the favor of God to rest on them and to bring them goodness in the days ahead. And here is Jesus holding these children in his arms, blessing them. I, I wish I could have heard what he said. And I wish I could undo all the evil that is done to our children in this world, but I can't. But I can tell them about Jesus who will hold them in his arms and carry them into his kingdom just like he did 19 children in Uvalde, Texas. And maybe you've come to this place or you're watching our program and you've, you're just, maybe you're tired and wounded by all the evil that takes place in this world around you. I've come to tell you that the kingdom of God has come. The Son of God put on flesh and came to earth to tell you that the kingdom of heaven is near. And even now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, even now the kingdom of God is within you. And we don't have to wait until the trumpet sounds to find the kingdom of God. It's within us. 
I want to leave you with this thought. When Jesus, he, he is literally inviting us to become like children to receive his kingdom. And when he invites us, listen, to become like children, do you understand? He is literally inviting us into his arms. So lay down your burdens. Block out the evil in this world for a minute and picture Christ inviting you to become like children. And run like a child. Run into his arms. He will throw his arms around you. And even more than that, he will bless you. Because he always blesses those he holds in his arms. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray. And I want you to just open your heart to him. If, you, if you're carrying a burden, I want you to lay it down and run into his arms. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for this nation. I want to pray for those families in Texas. Father, I pray first that you forgive us as a nation for the for the culture we've created that is just ripe for wickedness. Forgive us for our sins as a nation. We've created an environment for evil to thrive. But God, we stand in your presence as the church, the body of Christ this day, and we stand here literally becoming like children we want to just run into your arms. And I lift up the weary to you, those who are tired and those who are wounded and those who are just sickened by the wickedness of this world. I lift them up to you and I ask Lord Jesus that you would just wrap your arms around them. Let them feel your presence as you hold them. I lift up the families of those who have suffered in Texas the past few days. I can't undo the evil that's been done, but Lord, I can lift them up to you and ask you, would you please let them just run into your arms and find refuge there? I pray, God, that you will help our nation to turn back to you and the ways of God. Help us to once again, esteem your word as sacred and holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Lord, I pray that as we run into your arms, I pray that you will bless us once again. I pray that you will bless this nation once again. Pray that you will bless our homes, our families once again. I pray that you will bless our children once again. I pray that you will put your favor upon us 
Bless us as you hold us in your arms. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And it is in the name above every name that we ask this, the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.